Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Let's jump into the sermon. Today's scripture reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not regretfully or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. My name is David Bruner. I'm one of the co-pastors here along with my wife, Becca. Um, Thank you, Star Family. That was a great job. It's uh, just a joy to be with all of you this morning. We want to say hello to all of you who are watching online as well. As many of you know, we are in the final weeks of a sermon series called Better Together. We're looking at the ups and downs of Christian community and habits and practices that help us do life together well. Things like prayer, forgiveness, and truth-telling. And this week, we're looking at another discipline that helps the church flourish, and that's the discipline of stewardship, giving financially to the church to support God's work in the world. We just heard one reading about stewardship from 2 Corinthians. Our second reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter. Before I read that, I want to invite you to pray with me. Good and gracious God, our Father in heaven, as we hear your word this morning, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit among us so that we would not only hear your word, but understand your word. And not only understand your word, but put it into practice in our lives with your help. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Luke tells us this. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. So, As a pastor, I am well aware that stewardship is not everybody's favorite topic. People have complicated feelings about it. They have personal feelings about it. Everyone's experience has been a little bit different. But I have to say, I love talking about stewardship. Even if we had enough money here at Knox to never do another stewardship drive again, and we don't, 
we don't have that much money. But even if we did, I would still be up here talking about stewardship regularly. Because at the end of the day, stewardship is about a lot more than money. It's about God. Specifically, it's about two things. Stewardship is about who God is, and it's about who God wants us to be. It's about who God is and who God wants us to be. Let me tell you the most important question we can ask about stewardship. The most important question we can ask is, why do we give? Why? Not how much, certainly not when, not how do we give, why do we give? And the first and most important reason we give is because of who God is. We give our money to God to recognize and affirm all that God has done for us, to give a tangible expression of our gratitude. Stewardship is one of the ways we learn to say thank you to God. I will be the first to admit it is all too easy to forget what God has done. In our reading for today, we hear a story about Jesus encountering 10 lepers who cry out to him and beg him for healing. As many of you know, in the ancient world, leprosy was not only a dangerous disease physically, it was a socially and spiritually isolating disease. Lepers were considered ritually unclean, according to the tenets of Old Testament law, and so they were, frankly, cast out from most communities. Did you notice in the reading that when Jesus encounters those lepers, they call out to him for healing from a distance <laughs> because they know very well they don't want to get too close. Nobody wanted to be a leper. Nobody associated with lepers. Very few people even spoke to them. But not Jesus. When he meets these lepers, he sees them. He hears them. He has compassion on them. And he tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. And as they go on their way, one by one, they realize they're healed. All ten are liberated and freed from the terrible pain of this awful disease. All ten are restored to families and friends and communities they'd been excluded from before. All ten experience the power of Christ's love. But only one returns to Jesus to say thank you. Only one, in the midst of celebrating this newfound gift, remains conscious of the one who gave it. All of us have received gifts like that, gifts from God's hand. God's given some of us the gift of his presence when we were lying in a hospital bed. God's given some of us the gift of a community of faith that made a difference in our life. A pastor or friend or small group that made a difference for us when the chips were down. God's given many of us the gift of seeing our children grow up in Christ here at Knox. And some of you who grew up here have started bringing your own children here in turn. God's given some of us the gift of a fresh start 
of laying our sins and misdeeds at the foot of the cross and hearing his word of forgiveness. God's given all of us the gift of hope, of facing death with the promise of the gospel in our hearts that death doesn't get the last word over Jesus and his love. Gifts from God's hands. So I think about my own life, I think about my parents, the steady, faithful, unspectacular way they loved my sister and I. What did I do to deserve that gift? I think about my childhood Sunday school teacher, Wendy Moorhead. Um, Some of you know I grew up at a teeny tiny church. I was the only Sunday school student and she was the only Sunday school teacher. So we were stuck with each other. Uh, I think she got the worst of the deal. Um, She was my Sunday school teacher for nine years. Nine years, she showed up every Sunday and invested in me one-on-one again and again and again. It's over 400 hours of Sunday school time. I would not be a Christian today if not for Wendy Moorhead. What did I do to deserve that? I think about the incredibly warm welcome my wife and I have gotten here at Knox. So many of you have gone out of your way to support us, to let us know you're praying for us, to serve us in various ways. It's incredibly kind. We haven't even done anything yet. (laughs) What did we do to deserve that? Martin Luther said the whole of Christian worship is nothing more than that one leper returning to God to give thanks. And he's right. What you and I do with our hearts and minds, with our marriages and families, with our bodies, and yes, with our money, all of that is nothing more than a way of throwing ourselves before Jesus and saying, Thank you, thank you, thank you. So why do we give? We give our money to God because of all God has given us. That's the first and most important reason. But there's another reason we give, and I I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. We give our money to God because it helps us become who God wants us to be. It helps us become who God wants us to be. Let me explain that a little bit. When I was a kid, my mom made me write thank you notes whenever I got a present, after my birthday, after Christmas. How many of you parents make your kids write thank you notes? Okay, I see several hands. So I would love to say that I was an unusually mature child and I did it willingly. No, no, not in the least. I hated it. I hated it. Not to put too fine a point on it. I have a vivid memory of spending what seemed like countless hours in my parents' study staring at their monochrome computer screen waiting for the necessary poetic inspiration to strike so that I could type out a thank you note along the lines of, Dear Grandma, thank you for the Christmas present, Dave. (laughs) 
I struggled with it. It was hard. And it was only when I grew up, only when I reached adulthood, that I began to be thankful that my mom forced me to do it. Because when I became an adult, I finally realized that saying thank you, expressing gratitude appropriately, is an art. It's a skill. It's something learned. I didn't write those notes because I was thankful. But I became more thankful by writing those notes. Do you see where I'm going with this illustration? If we want to become more generous, if we want to become more faithful, one of the best things we can do is simply to start giving right where we are. Because when we say thank you to God, not just with our hearts, but with our money, it shapes our character in a profound way. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if we want our hearts to be with Jesus, one of the best things we can do is share some of our treasure with him as well. Becca and I give our money to God because we want to honor God and celebrate everything he's done for us. But I have to say, we also give to God as a way of asking God to shape our hearts. We give to God because we want to become more generous people. People who share their money, not just willingly, but joyfully. We give to God because we want him to help us resist the pervasive materialism and consumerism and self-centeredness in our society. The omnipresent lie that says that the most important thing you can do with your money is spend it on yourself and show off to your friends. Someone once asked John D. Rockefeller, the famous billionaire, how much money was enough for him. And he smiled and said, a little bit more. A little bit more. Isn't that an interesting answer? You know, there's a lot of people out there who are just hungry for a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And when we give to God, it helps break the spell of that point of view. Becca and I give to God because we want him to help us remember that there is a world of people out there that don't have enough to eat or a roof over their heads. This week, Becca and I had the pleasure of meeting with Mike Havala. He's the CEO of Loaves and Fishes, which is a wonderful nonprofit organization that feeds the hungry in our area. They're mission partners of ours here at Knox. He shared that in January, they typically fed about 3,000 people in one week. That was where they were at in January. He said, this month, that figure has doubled. In one year, 6,000 people a week are coming through their doors. 6,000 people a week right here in affluent DuPage County who don't have enough food to feed their family who are skipping meals so they can pay rent, who are skipping meals so they can buy their medicine, who are skipping meals to put gas in the car to drive to work. Becca and I give because we want to help them, and we give so we can stand in solidarity with them. 
when you give to God, it's kind of like a prayer. It's a way of saying, okay, Lord, help my life match up with my priorities. Help us become the people you want us to be. That's the second reason we give. Let me say a little bit about how we can put this into practice. As you've already heard from Randy, we've set a budget goal for this year of 1.35 million, which we believe is gonna allow us to fully fund our anticipated mission and ministries. And as you heard, that goal is a challenge for us. It represents an increase from last year. Times are tough out there. We cannot do it without all of us working together. So I wanna invite you, if you consider Knox your church home, and you've never pledged to Knox before, we want to prayerfully uh, invite you to prayerfully consider pledging this year. Becca and I are excited to bring our pledge card here next week, and we hope a lot of you will join us. And if you've pledged to Knox before, we know many of you have pledged faithfully for many years, we want to prayerfully invite you to consider increasing your pledge for 2023. Here's our one another challenge for this week. Um, It's a two-parter. Before you fill out your pledge card, do a little exercise that's gonna help you remember why we give. Take your pledge card and then take a sheet of paper. And on the first side of the sheet of paper, I want you to just write down the blessings God has given you. You can start with this year and then go back as far as you want. Write down those blessings, the blessings of friends and family, of work and school, of health and career, whatever those blessings are. And then pray over them. Give thanks to God for what he's done. Recognize his awesome generosity that's always so much more than our own. And then flip that piece of paper over And on the other side, write down how you want giving to change your heart. Write down how you want it to help you become more generous in your life. Write down how you hope to worry less about money or about things. Write down how you want to remember the poor. Whatever it may be. And then pray over those things too. Ask God to change your heart through your giving. And then when you're done with those things, then fill out that pledge card and see if those prayers don't change how you think about giving. Friends, it's true. Stewardship is about a lot more than money. It's about who God is. It's about who God wants us to be. And ultimately, it's about that one leper returning to God to give thanks for all he's done for us. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information on how to get connected here at Knox, please visit knoxprez.org.